0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever.
1: Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone for my bone and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked but felt no shame.
0: Amen. Thank you, Missy. Come on, give the Lord a hand. You may be seated. Thank you for being here today. Before we start, just a a quick uh, hello from my wife. She's not here today. We are in full throttle cheerleading mode, and Stella is part of a competition cheer team and so they have a big comp today so she told me to send her love to you and that's where she's at so she's doing the mama thing with Stella but thank you for being here today let's jump right in here's what we've been talking about this is week four who am I and here's the thought what does it mean for my humanity to be in Christ and the thought has been all along uh, hey all you need to be is just know who you are in Christ and then what does that mean and we've been trying to really pull out what does it mean when we use the phrase you should know who you are in Christ. What has Christ done for you? Does it mean I pray more, I read more, I uh, go to the church more, I get more money? And so I've been trying to uh, break it down in bite-sized chunks to define it. Here's what we've landed on. Here's the scripture. 9 uh, verse 9 of Ephesians 2. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. And this is what we've really held on. We are God's masterpiece. And this masterpiece is the way I've been describing it. It's God in the eternal realm is painting this beautiful picture called a masterpiece of your life. He knew you and it says He did it long ago. You were planned before you ever got here. You were in the mind of God before you ever showed up. But God did not see you as a royal mess. He saw you as a masterpiece before you ever got on planet earth. He knew you. In the mind of God, you were known before you ever arrived. And before you ever arrived, you were a masterpiece. However, we come to earth, we get in earth, and we realize real quickly how much the masterpiece can be messed up and how much the masterpiece can become a problem as we live life out on the earth. Here's what we've decided in Christ means in the weeks past. It's often difficult to bid goodbye to the sorrow you've grown accustomed to After all, it is what it is. And we said to be in Christ, you have to die to the thought of it is what it is. If you're sitting there going, my life is what it is, then you're falling short of being in Christ because in Christ means it can be what God has always intended it to be. It is what it is. It's a royal mess. I married a jerk. Nothing's going my way. But there's a masterpiece in heaven. And you get to choose, do you want to live it is what it is and deal with it? Or do you want to try to tap into it can be what it can be? And that was in Christ means there's the possibility. Doesn't mean we'll choose it, but it's possible. The second thought was this. Everything I would ever need has been provided for me before I ever even got on planet earth. In other words, you are, you're not born trying to eat, by and climb the ladder. When you're born... You're born into planet Earth, but because of in Christ, everything you would ever need is already here. You don't have to chase the royal gold watch at the end of the rainbow. He's provided everything you would ever need before you got here. All the promises of God, everything you would ever need were wrapped up in His promises so you could participate with Him. And now we jump into today. It's going to sting a bit, but how many are all right if we just teach truth? It yeah. might burn a little bit, but... I really want to try to determine what it means to be in Christ. Before we jump into the scripture that was read, let me take you back to last week. Last week we introduced us to Adam. And we found out that when Adam was made, God made him from all the dirt, which was the thought here. But all of that dirt that he was made from contained the DNA of God. And when God made Adam, God poofed Adam out and there's this living being called Adam And he contained the DNA of God so that everything in Adam was already there. Provided for him before he ever showed up on day six. Let's jump into the reading of scripture that Missy read. And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Come on somebody. You might have thought, well you don't know who I'm married to. (laughs) It's not good to be alone. So here's what we know about God. We know about God that the, whatever the masterpiece was of, of painted in heaven of my life, God was not painting it with the thought that I would be down here solo. God always intended me to never be alone. God always intended that the only way the masterpiece could be known by me on planet earth is I would have to be in relationship. Because here's what God does though. Before God ever makes this relationship kind of seal the deal, he, he lets Adam run through the animals. Before there's ever a woman that's going to be named Eve, before there's ever a wife, God brings all the animals of the world to Adam and He lets him name them all. And I, you know, the intention here would be well, maybe that's what God wants, is just you to be happy. Because even today, we buy the dogs, we buy the cats, we, we do all the things that we do with our animals, we connect with them, they're like our children, we put little Christmas sweaters on them and they run around, and we buy them little puppy lattes when we drive up to Starbucks, and we teach them how to fetch the birds out of the water when we shoot them and kill them. We teach them how to point at birds, we teach them how to bite strangers, how to fetch a beer out of the refrigerator. <laughs> That's a great dog right there. But before there was ever a woman, God had to deal with this thing about animals. And God had to run through the gamut that, although animals are very meaningful, I mean, it would be nice if we didn't even have to deal with people. It just, could you imagine if, if the world was just your favorite animal? No, no issues, no nothing. Your Labrador retriever that just loves you doesn't care about your weaknesses, doesn't care if you're overweight. As a matter of fact, they celebrate the fact that you brought home another blizzard. (laughs) They're not whining about your blood pressure. They're not talking about... You just open the door, and as soon as you open the door, they're home, they're home. Oh my God, they're home, they're home, they're home. Oh my God, he's home, he's home, he's home, he's home. Oh my God, home, home, home. He's home. Oh my God, he's home. He's home. Hey, oh, you're home, you're home. I've been waiting, I've been waiting. And we're like, oh my God, calm down. No, 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 you're here, you're here. I have been waiting and waiting. Oh God, oh God, he's here, he's here. Anybody got one of those animals? You got a cat. It's like, (laughs) yeah. I'm home. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, Samson, every time I walk in the door, he's like he's never seen me in my whole life. I'm like, dude, I just went out to take the trash out. I've been gone 42 seconds, and it feels like I've been gone for years. He's running through my legs. He's jumping upon me. He's talking about, give me another piece of cheese out of the fridge. I'm like, oh, God, he never talks about my weight. He never, he never says I play guitar too much. I get the banjo out, and he just hops in the chair and says, play it, Mark. <laughs> and I throw him some chocolate, my daughter goes, Dad, quit giving him chocolate. You're going to kill him. Well, at least he'll die happy. <laughs> what if I just fed you the same food over and over and over? Now, I don't know why God made him go through the animals and then gives him a woman. (laughs) Like, I've been married 32 years. 32 years. Never. In 32 years of marriage... Have I busted the door open? And Robin went, he's home, he's home. Oh my God, he's home. He's home, oh, come here, come here, come here. Oh, come here, let me kiss you, let me kiss you. Oh, girls, he's home, he's home, he's home. Never, that's why men buy dogs. I just want somebody to greet me when I come in the door and think I'm incredible. I bust the door open, the dog's going nuts. I'm looking for Robin, where's mama? As soon as I go, where's mama? Here's what she says Put the ladder up. <laughs> what? No welcome home? Your first shot was put the ladder up? And then, as a good husband, why don't you put the ladder up? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, God, this was the masterpiece? <laughs> I don't know why God didn't stop at an animals. But he didn't. The masterpiece wasn't you and your cat. The masterpiece wasn't you and your hunting dog. Or your ferret. Somebody has got to have a ferret because I felt it rise up. I've always wanted a ferret. <laughs> The masterpiece, weird but true, the drawing of your perfected life had to include another human. Amen. And oh my God, it's the humans that irritate us, <laughs> frustrate us, get on our nerves. I mean, I'd, sometimes I do just want to send Rob into the room and just whip her with a <laughs> Sit down, woman, and hush. But I can't treat her like a dog. Sit, stay, don't, quit. She just looks at me like, what are you talking about? Just once, would you just, if I say sit, not say why. Just be like the dog. Sit, woman. Thank you, I'm done. No, you were given a human Because we all know that what humans do is they can make a mess out of things. They hurt us, wound us, lie to us, forget us, neglect us. And God saw that as the masterpiece? The people that abuse me, divorce me, cheat on me, that was my masterpiece? So that what God saw with this realm of humans has become so perverted that we've ran back to the animals and we try to become one with them because they love and respect us so much. But with each other, I would rather be alone. Because I don't trust you. Because my dad hurt me. Because my mom hurt me. Because my wife burned me. I don't, I don't, I, my, my preacher. I, people just, ugh. It's too risky. But yet God in His infinite wisdom thought that, here's what's weird, the only way you and I could ever understand the masterpiece was to be chunked into a relationship with another human being. And in that relationship, you would find the reflection of the real masterpiece. So here's what He did. Next verse. He caused the man to fall in a deep sleep. And the man slept and God took one of the man's ribs and he closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. That's why men like meat so much. (laughs) That's why I like ribs. Put some barbecue sauce on it. Because God made the woman out of a rib. And he brought her to the man. Look at his first response. His first response. At last! At last! This is it! Oh my God! What have you done? This is incredible! That's his first response. So there must have been something that even though he connected and named all the animals, there must have been something that still wasn't quite masterpieceful enough. Because the moment he saw the woman, he screams, at last. Meaning that It probably just wasn't five minutes of animals before the woman. I'll teach this in the Genesis class. I believe it was a long time before he ever realized what the masterpiece would include. And the masterpiece, here's what's strange. The first earthly reflection of the heavenly masterpiece of Adam's life being painted before he existed, was painted to include a woman. He could never become the masterpiece without the woman. Impossible. Therefore, here's the thought. The marriage between a man and a woman is the first real earthly expression ...of the heavenly masterpiece. Before there was speaking in tongues... ...before there was a Bible... ...before there was fasting... ...before there were ten commandments... ...before there was a church service... ...before there was an opportunity for you to sow a seed... ...and give your tithe... ...God thought the best way I could define the masterpiece... ...is not through tongues and scripture... ...and rules and commandments... The best way I could define what I see is to put a guy and a girl together and let them love each other. And in that, you will find the expression of heaven's masterpiece. It's a big risk, but it's the only way God could reflect it on the earth. The only way God could reflect heaven on earth was through a male and a female. It is why there is such a barrage of Despairingly information over the last five years between males and females. We used to fight over marriage, marriage, marriage. It just needs between a guy and a girl. It doesn't mean be between a guy and a guy or a girl and a girl. We we fought that to the best of our abilities. And then it's like we're not even fighting that anymore. Now what we're fighting is I don't really know if I am a male. I think I'm non-binary. I'm neither. I'm both. I'm kind of I'm unsure. I float between, I'm fluid. Between a male and a female. And the the reality of that is, it's not because we suddenly became smarter. It's because the enemy has known all along that the greatest expression of being in Christ is a mother and a father showing their love to the children. That is the greatest expression of God. So if you want to run it all, what do you do? You ruin the potential of mom and dad. You ruin the potential of family. You ruin the potential of children. And you simply begin to destroy anything that could have reflected the heavenly masterpiece. And church is not our problem. It's the family that has become the catastrophic problem. Missing fathers, missing mothers, abandoned children, abuse... Because ergo the family, goes the church. And so there's this, there's this start that has nothing to do with a marriage conference. It has nothing to do with having better sex or worse sex or how to communicate or all the things we do to help people have a marriage. It starts with... God just going, you want me to try to define the painting of my masterpiece to all of you? Then I'm going to put you together as a man and a woman. I'm going to knight you as one. And you two are going to reflect to all of the generations to come what it means to know me and be loved by me. And you too will reflect that love. So here's the question that makes me bid this question What does a marriage demonstrate that reflects the meaning of being in Christ? Like, why would God pick that first? Because if we're really going to fight this fight, and and we said, right now, define for me what it means to be in Christ. Most of us, myself included, would say, uh, you need to repent of cussing or smoking or chewing, or you need to stop Stop doing bad stuff. You need to read your Bible. You need to get spirit filled. You need to find a good church. You need, to, you need, you need, you need. But if we base all of that out before any of that came, we just go back to the beginning point. The beginning point before all of that came was just a guy and a girl. And that guy and that girl were going to reflect heaven. And so two things here. Either that was the dumbest idea ever by God, or he knows something and sees something we don't know and see. Because why would he use the man and the woman in a marriage to reflect his heavenly realm knowing we would screw it up and get divorced and hate each other and fight in courts of law and cheat on one another and slam doors and... And then raise children in the middle of the mess. And God's like, well, I see all that. However, I'm still going to start the way I want to start. Amen. So let's go back to the scripture and see what, if we can define what God is looking for. So God calls the man in the yellow. He made a woman in the green. And at last the man exclaimed, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called the woman because she was taken from me. And then the weirdest of phrases in the Bible. Because there is no father and there is no mother yet. Adam doesn't have a mother. Adam doesn't have an earthly father. His creator is God and and Eve's creator is God. She doesn't have a mother either. That's why the whole debate do they have belly buttons? Because they had no mother and father. They were created. But the weirdest of the weirdest of things is out of their createdness, that male and female together, this phrase, verse 24, pops up that the reality of this husband and wife was because you're going to be a mom and a dad. And my belief, here's the thought, my belief is that your father and mother were slated to be your first reflection of what it means to be in Christ. Your mom and dad. Not a preacher, not some famous person. Your mother and your father were designed by God to reflect what heaven should be like. And because the devil knows that, he's done everything he can to pervert the mother and the father. And 32 years of pastoring, one thing I've noticed in my experience, is how much we're influenced by our parents. The husband who acts just like his father. The wife who responds just like she saw her mother respond. You would think the devil would be our biggest problem. But it was never the devil, it was the parents. They have such influence over us. Right now, you're a product of your mother and father. Yes. Unless God has really changed your life, you probably respond to your spouse the way you were brought up to see that. If you were brought up in a home without a father, then, it, then the potential is you grow up to be a woman that thinks, I really don't need men. I can take care of myself. Because I watched my mother do it. Or if you saw men abused, you grow up with walls around you thinking, well, I'm never going to let that happen to me. But even though you would never let it happen to you, you were so defined by it in your early years that it's part of you whether you wanted it to be part of you or not. Even if you're running the opposite way, it influenced you. It was designed to be that way. Your mother and father were designed by God to be the first reflection of God a child would ever know. The child will know more about God watching how daddy treats mama then the child will know about God if you read a Bible story to them every night. It's the way we relate to each other that shows the child. A child cannot even fathom in in their understanding psychologically. A young child cannot fathom what the eternal realm of God is like when we try to explain God. So God gave an earthly analogy to understand Christ and to understand life and to understand God by making a mom and dad that would reflect to every child born what it means to know God by watching us. So that what we would say is that many people today struggle with God because they never had parents to really show them what love was. So when you say to the young boy, hey, you know God is a father, and he's like, dude, I can't even, I don't even know what you mean. I, 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 don't, I didn't even have a dad like that. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad was abusive. And, and, and just even connecting it is this hard. But don't you know that God loves you, extravagantly cares about you? Yeah, dude, I don't know about that because the home I grew up in was hell. How could God let me be born in that home to that kind of hell, and now you tell me he loves me? You tell me that God cares about me, but my father molested me. He put me in that, and you tell me that was my masterpiece. And my answer is yes. That mother and father was to be your masterpiece. And because somewhere down the line they rejected God or never heard about God, or their life just became so influenced by the world, but God, and I'll teach you this next week, but God would just rather say, "I forget the relationship. There's two bad parents. I'm not even going to let them be born so that he erases your life. And you never exist. So God just backs off and says, I'm not going to let anybody be born because you humans have really messed this thing up for me. He has to stay with his same plan he had from the beginning, even though by the time we leave Adam and Eve, we're down here 6,000 years later with Mark and Robin, and he's like, dude, I can't let those kids be born. Mark is such a mess, I can't even let a kid be born to him. Or does God see Olivia, Sophia, Victoria, Kate, and Stella and say, I'm going to put them in the middle of this messed up fella named Mark? Because I love them so much. Well, if you love them so much, why let them be born into that? Because God knows His own faithfulness. But mom and dad right now, whether you know it or not, whether your children are young or not, they're grown or not, or you're divorced or not, the truth of the Bible is the mother and the father were to be the first earthly display of the heavenly realm of God. And the enemy has been working overtime to destroy it. We don't even need fathers. We, we don't even need any of that. We, I don't even need male and female anymore and we're under an attack. Here's the question She's now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh because she was taken from the man. This is why, and this was the phrase, a man leaves his father and mother and now it becomes clear why mom and dad would be such a reflection of Christ because two are going to become one. We say it at every wedding and now the two have become one. But it's this two united as one that will give the inference of What it means to be in Christ. You see, I now kind of know why God didn't let animals be the reflection. Because they can easily become one with you. Just have a little sandwich cookie in your pocket and watch how quickly that dog will obey. (laughs) Literally, my German shepherd is brilliant. Not mine. My child's German shepherd that I've adopted is brilliant. Brilliant. Supernaturally brilliant. He can open the refrigerator himself. He's brilliant. But I'll say sit. And he looks at me like, yeah, bro, no. No, you're going to sit. Yeah, dude, no. Not unless you're going to feed me. And so I go to the refrigerator. And as soon as I reach in the refrigerator and he notices there's something. I don't even have to say sit now. He just goes. Because... Becoming one with my animal is easy if I'm giving him a hot dog. Becoming one with Robin doesn't work well. But I got a hot dog. Yeah, I don't like that. Okay, a salad. No, I've changed my mind. Pizza. No, I'm not done. Like, like it's 30 years of trying to figure out how to be one with this creature. What do you want? What do you want today? Oh, okay, wait. I gave it to you today. You've changed. What do you mean you changed? You cannot change. I thought you told me what you needed over here. Well, that was yesterday. Well, you can't change on me. And it becomes this duality of 32 years of trying to become one. Now, my parents have been married 62 years. Look how one dad is with her. (laughs) Sit, Gene. Yes, ma'am. Stand, Gene. Yes, ma'am. Turn here, Gene. Whatever you want, honey. She's trained him well. The two are united into one. And God thought, as comical as it is, this would be the best way for a child to know Him. Is mom and dad becoming one together. Here, Here comes the battle. The love relationship between your mother and father was the purest reflection of what it means to be in Christ. There's no more pure way than you getting to watch mom and dad love each other. If you're already old and grown and they did their best, we move forward next week into what happens next. But for those of you right now that are moms and dads or thinking about being a mom and dad, your life of how you love each other will show your kids the reality of Jesus Christ. It was meant to be that way. Here's the scripture. We go 4,000 years ahead of Adam to the New Testament written by Paul in Ephesians 5, but he takes us all the way back to Adam in this scripture. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two, he picks it up, are united as one. And then any man that's married to a woman will love this next word. This is a mystery. (laughs) Trying to figure her out. But it's an illustration, and now Paul connects the mom and the dad, the husband and the wife, to Christ. It was intended all along that mom, dad, husband, and wife would be a reflection of Jesus Christ. And he says, just like the Christ and the church are one, so again, I say, here's where it's going to sting. So I'll be as kind as I can to all of us, myself included. I say to each man, you need to love your wife as you love yourself. And the wife must respect her husband. In all my years of pastoral care and counseling, I will tell you the blue and the pink phrase at the end has been the greatest challenge of all challenges of every marriage problem that ever existed. Is the woman feeling like she's never first place? and the husband feeling like he's not respected. I can almost boil it all down to those two things. She feels like she's third, fourth, fifth, sixth on the ladder, and he feels like she just never respects me, man. And it's this duality of respect and love going back and forth. So that here is the thought of where where we're going to close it out. Love and respect as reflected between a mom and dad is what it means to be in Christ. The love and the respect you offer each other. Let's look at the love, fellas. So ladies, take a deep breath. I'm about to get on to your husbands a minute. You're welcome. (laughs) Remember, women, you reap what you sow. (laughs) Husbands. To love her means you give yourself to her completely and you love her like you love yourself. She's sick of being second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place on your calendar. She wants to be the top dog on your list, yet she lives in a house where all of your stuff is on the walls. You constantly chase life, you work constantly. And you're thinking as a man, well, at least I'm providing for you. I'm tired. I'm working hard for you. But what she's really wanting is, as little time as you may have, it's not about time. It's about letting her know that she's number one, top spot in your entire life. There's nothing you love more, there's nothing you want more, there's nothing you need more. And even though you know when you come home, she's not going to be in your home, your home. It doesn't matter. You are the top on my list. She's tired of competing with everything, fellas. She's tired of competing with jobs. She's tired of competing with your hobbies. She's tired of competing with your games. She's tired of competing with you always gone, locked in on the TV, hunting, fishing, working on the car, mowing the grass. She's good with all of it. She's just sick of being way down the list. Women don't do well with this. You show me a woman who has a man who gives her attention, who spends every waking moment thinking about her, texting her, telling her how awesome you are, you are on the top of my thought list today, I will show you a woman that will walk in the door proud and mighty and strong, not trying to flirt with other men to get attention because her man has given her everything she needs. And the reason some woman would have to walk in and start throwing the vibe out It's because she's third, fourth, fifth, and sixth on the list of her husband. But her boss has put her at number two. She's moved up the list a little bit. Fellas, stop giving your entire life to everything else. And give your attention and give your time to what your wife wants out of you. And when you can say, now let me tell you something, that right there that's an eight point book right there. 172 pounds, got her with a 223 at 112 yards, man. you killed kill her. That one right there, I got that one, 2008. I was out there sitting there popping back Budweiser. Budwater. He just walked out, and I just looked one shot, man, dropped it right there. I also, right? But you ain't got a clue what kind of perfume she wears. You don't know a thing about her lipstick. You don't know anything about anything about her. But you can talk guns and fishing and football and baseball and beer and moonshine and music. And it comes time for Christmas. And you're like, uh. I don't really know. I just got you some real, real spicy pajamas. I like them. She doesn't like them. She likes granny panties to hold the fat in. <laughs> well, I just got you the kind I liked. Because, because all a woman is needing out of you is for you to take a bullet for her. For you to spend time with her and think she's the most incredible thing and to know everything about her and to know her likes and to know what she wants and what she desires. And if your woman says, I don't really care if you know all that about me, it's because you've already put her first. Because that's what she wants to be, is first place in your life. And this is from my experience. I could be wrong, but it's experiential. When a man gives his wife everything, lays down his life for her, lays down his time for her, that woman won't care what that fella does. She will stop nagging about you going hunting. She will stop nagging about you fishing and nagging about you working on the car and nagging about you playing banjo on the couch. Because she knows you're her priority. And when you walk up and say, hey, I think I'm going to go to the woods for a while. She'll be like, you go on, baby. You enjoy the woods. mama will be here waiting on you when you get back. But to a woman who feels neglected and is sick of feeling like she competes with your guns and your time and your attention... She will nag. Well, if you just want to go, go. You're going to go anyway, so just go. Go have fun. Go have fun with your boys. Y'all go out there and do the boy thing. I'll stay here with the kids. I'll be with the kids. Somebody's got to raise them or they go to prison. <laughs> oh, come on, fellas. You'll go out there and drop $100 on six bullets. I, I got a good deal on this, $100. She, all she wants is a latte. I ain't spending $4 for no coffee. Oh, well, God, that's a ripoff. You spent $4 on a coffee, and I want to just hit him right in the gut and go, you spent 100 bucks on three bullets? <laughs> Aren't y'all glad Robin ain't here? When do you teach a message on a man and a woman? When your wife's gone. (laughs) I worked it really good. I was smart. (laughs) (laughs) She will watch it. (laughs) So, 32 years of marriage. My children will know God watching how I treat their mother. So I say to Robin, I said, honey, I take my sweet bride. Every week, we drive into Atlanta. And every week, I take her on a date. And we just sit there and stare at each other. And I just pretend that I'm staring and that I care about the candle. And I care about, you know, my brain's out there going, I really just want to go home and watch football. But I've tuned in. I'm, I'm with her. I listen. I try to listen. I hope she doesn't say, what did I just say? Because I'll be like, uh. <laughs> uh <laughs> We're men, right? I mean, I'm all zoned in, man. Like, you look good, you know. I'll order for her. I'll get her drink for her, meal for her. And uh, so I said to her, I said, look. I said, uh, it's, it's been a, a rough month. I've been teaching the book of Genesis. Man, my mind's just shot. Uh, we just married off one of our girls. My, my money's shot. Um, <laughs> I said, would you mind if I just went up to Gatlinburg for a week and, and I just was there and I could just sit and just listen to bluegrass music and, and just enjoy life? I said, I might even go by the moonshine tasting place. I don't know. She goes, you, you just go have a fun time, whatever you want to do. You, you enjoy it. I said, oh, thank you, honey. So I go. Why? I didn't get any kickback. I got no, you're always gone. Ah, oh, you bluegrass. It just you go have fun. So I did. I went and had fun, and I came home a day early. Because that's what good men do. Amen. A day early. Surely I've been gone four days. Surely. When the door opens. <laughs> he's home. He's home. No. I come home a day early. Here's what I hear. Literally, I said it a minute ago, just want you to know it's true. I bust the door open. Here's what I hear. You didn't put the ladder up before you left. My God, woman. So I do what every loving husband does. I counterattack. Well, you've been here all week. You could have put it up. No, that doesn't go well. No, 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 no. My battleship sank right then in that moment. Because I said out of my mouth, 32 years of marriage dumbed down into six seconds of stupidity. You were here all week. You could have put it up if it bothered you. Fellas, never, never. When you come home and you're looking for nice cute jammies because you've been gone and she says you didn't put up the ladder, you just go, you're right. So I sucked up the, die of myself, loved my wife as I would love myself, and she went off to get a cup of coffee and left me there with the ladder. And I'm staring, this is absolute truth. Y'all, I don't even know why you'd come let me be your shepherd. I sat on the couch and I was going to watch a little show. I'm looking at the ladder that's right above the TV that I bought because the TV busted and she said, I need a new one. I actually brought home a new TV. And I'm sitting there and I thought, yeah, tell you exactly how I feel about that ladder. And I start getting ready to text. The reason God gave men text is to give you time to think about it before you die. The text relationship was God's way to stop stupid men from saying things because it takes longer to type it out. And as I'm getting ready to type, and I, I go back because my personalities are anal, I like the commas to be right, and the, even though, and I go back and read it, and I'm reading, I'm like, ooh, man, boy, I'm ticked off a lot there. I, so, what does a husband do? I deleted the text. I sucked my pride up, I moved the ladder, I cleaned the shower, I cleaned the bathroom, I made the beds, I vacuumed the whole floor, I cleaned the entire kitchen, I put all the boxes up from the wedding, I cleaned everything up, I folded all the towels, I did everything a husband could do, got the place spotless, put flowers out, and left. No, don't bless me, Lord, yet. (laughs) You got way ahead of the game. <laughs> because to love myself completely, if I'm not careful, I'm doing it to win the argument rather than truly out of love. Yes. I'm doing it hoping I get lucky rather than just because I love her. Yes. So then I do it thinking, oh, tonight. <laughs> And then when ha-ha-ha doesn't happen, I become bitter. Because it wasn't motivated out of love. It was still motivated, though I did it, out of selfish behavior. So, fellas, to give yourself totally is to love her with expecting nothing in return. Just because she's worthy to be loved. And she's top on your list not because she's begging you to be. It's because you put her there. And nobody else will ever take your place. Ladies, let's talk to you a minute. All the men are like, yes! Finally somebody's going to tell her exactly what I've been trying to say for all these years. (laughs) Ha ha! Whew! Respect. Ladies, I'm um, as honest as I can. 32 years of counseling, 95% of the men who ultimately come to the couch come to the couch not wanting more sex, though they would take it. They just want respect, and they don't get it. And because they don't get it, they run after everything else. Because there's something built in a man that needs the accolades. We need to achieve. We need to fight. We need to feel like we're everything you need us to be. And even if I don't have muscles, tell me I do. (laughs) It's why we'll have push up contests, it's why we talk about how much we can bench press. It's why we put 42 deer head on the wall. Listen ladies, how dumb we are. We put dead animals on your wall to feel better about ourselves. It's why we drive our cars. It's why we spend the money. It's why we are constantly needing affirmation and attention. We love you to think we're incredible. But we don't want to have to make you say it. We want you to tell us we're handsome. We want you to say how much you love us. We, there's something internally that craves it. But if I've been born in a family that didn't get it, it's really weird because it all goes back to my mom and dad of how I begin to respond and how we do begin to love each other. But let's get rid of all of them and let's just go to what respect is. The wife is to deeply admire the husband for his value, his qualities, his abilities, and his achievements. That that was the job of the wife. It's just to give him high value and and over his achievements, his accomplishments. He wants you to want that, to like that eight point deer. You could probably care less. He wants you to look at the picture that I almost killed it. I almost killed it. That's why he shows all of his buddies. Dude, look at what I almost got. There's something internally in men. That love to have the abs and the kind of the muscles that sort of the flex the, that comes from the bride. And when we get it from our bride, we're not running after everything else. But the bride typically won't give it because, fella, if you want that kind of admiration, put her on the top of your ladder. The reason most women don't respect. The husband is quote, he doesn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. He put me down the rung. It's hard for me to respect that. He doesn't even respect himself. So then it becomes this really quandary of who 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 moves what. Do I die first? Do I love her first? Well. I could love her better if she respected me more. Well, I could respect him more if he loved me more. And now the battle just ensues to the point we either just are never intimate or we just split or we just live as two individuals in the same home with it is what it is. Respect. Deep admiration. There's something really weird when I walk out the door with a little pudgy body with... Like age spots all over my nine head. It's not a forehead. It's a nine head. It's that big. Other people got foreheads. Mine's like a nine. It's just with a yarmulke right there. Just uh, I'm not even Jewish and I got a yarmulke. I don't. Uh, it's just built-in yarmulke. Like come on. But there's something that feels good to walk out the door and to hear my bride go, "You look handsome today." My entire day, I just feel better. I feel like I could maybe lift a little more. Just off of one thing. And show you how powerful it is, ladies, last Sunday, I get up, it's cold out, right? I wear all black because black is slimming and I don't take up the entire TV when you watch me. <laughs> so I put on this nice flannel shirt. I thought I looked rather dapper. Like I'm going to preach in flannel. I don't know if it was becoming or not because it was stripes and stripes on fat. People don't look well. But I, I, I went to Rob and I said, hey, let's think about this today. Preaching this flannel kind of new. She looked at me and she went, uh, no, I don't like the flannel. Okay. Why? Because I care. Because I like you to like the way I look. I like you to like me. I love the admiration. I love when I play a song for you, you say, that's nice. There's something really weird that men crave. The the achievements and the attention and the the accomplishments. and, And all we really want is just our bride to think that we're the most incredible thing on earth. But again... It's hard to feel he's incredible when I'm number 10 on his list. When he talks to me the way he does. When he never thinks about me during the day. And this conglomeration, although this isn't a marriage conference, this is the power of a husband and a wife. And it's the power of, are you going to keep living blaming each other? Husband, are you going to say, well... If she'll respect me more, then I might die to myself a little more. Or you might say, well, I'm dying to myself every day. She so still don't respect me. Wife? Well, it's hard to respect a man I don't even respect. He never gives me time. I'm always nagging him and begging him, just pleading. He just never pays attention. And so you're just going to keep the cycle going of living in the same house, but intimacy is low, we're two individuals just trying to get along for the kids. And God is trying to take both of you to be a masterpiece. And for that to work, husband, you've got to die to you and love her more and like you love yourself and put her at the top of the list. And wives, strange as it may be, you just got to admire the old boy and think he's the, as my mother says think he's the greatest thing since shoe leather. And you know he's not. But you give it to him anyway. And when those two people do that because you're Christians, because he does it because it's what God demands, and she does it because it's what God demands, your life will be a reflection of a beautiful masterpiece, and the mess will begin to die. Here is the conclusion. The love and respect demonstrated between a father and a mother is the perfected reflection of what it means to be in Christ. I'll talk next week to single people, divorced people, but for today, husband and wife, if you're in this room married right now, your life and the way you treat each other, whether your children are grown or young or you've not even had any, Your relationship to each other will reflect the masterpiece of heaven and the the profoundness of His divinity will be seen in how you love and respect each other. Would you stand up with me if you will? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.